Welcome to Insurance Happy Hour. I'm Becky. And this is Laird. And we are episode number five, I believe. Well, that's way too many. (laughs) I didn't think we were actually going to make it past the first three. Travel schedules, stuff going on, all of that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, we're proving ourselves wrong. I know. Uh, Well, speaking of the the previous ones we did, we talked a couple episodes ago about autonomous cars. Mm -hmm. And, And you confessed to texting while driving because your car was driving itself. Yes, it was. And we we discussed whether or not that would be breaking the new law in Texas of you're not allowed to text and drive. Um, I don't know if we talked about drinking and driving in autonomous cars, did we? Uh, it, it was it was a question of you know what would Uber do or something like that or how Uber would impact that or if you had driverless autonomous cars that would just pick you up from bars but I didn't think we talked about what I think you're hitting at is that <laughs> did someone get a uh, DWI while driving autonomously indeed in San Francisco <laughs> last month uh, officers arrested a man in his Tesla mm-hmm. it is stalled on the Bay Bridge. And his argument was he wasn't driving. His car was driving, even though he was drunk. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's the whole argument sometimes of like, you know, someone walks out of a bar, gets passes out drunk inside their car, and then they get a DWI. Well, I wasn't driving. Well, you technically were. But his argument of that you weren't driving, I think, is actually prevented by the Tesla user manual that effectively says – you're always in control. Well, th- that's what they said. The Tesla requires some kind of human response at certain intervals. So even if you're on autopilot in your Tesla, you still have to respond to your car in some way. So he was still effectively driving while drunk. Well, maybe he's responding like this. Uh, car, can you, can, you take, can you take me home? <laughs> <laughs> why, apparently. Why, yes, master. <laughs> I will take you directly there. Apparently, the Teslas will slowly come to a stop if there is no human response, which is why his car stalled out on the bridge is because he wasn't responding to it. I thought maybe he forgot to charge it or something. <laughs> it's also a possibility. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't charge it. I'm going out drinking. Yeah. So what So what, what happened? Uh, that was all the story had yeah. on it was just that he – they had arrest, pulled him up out of his car drunk well that's you know that i i would love to see what a lawyer would get a hold of that because that's that's a real question is like was he in if it was fully autonomous 100 percent level four or five whatever that is where there's no steering wheel then yeah it's there there's nothing there but when there's a steering wheel and you're still behind it yeah not only is there a steering wheel the car requires a response from you he legitimately get busted yes that's his own fault according to the way the current laws are and the way the current cars are built yes see i just i i talk about this all the time i don't get it i don't get why people just don't order an uber (laughs) it's or a lift or he had a tesla he didn't want to leave it at the bar (laughs) i that argument is bunk i've seen i've i've driven past a bar and you know at like eight in the morning and there's a ferrari in the parking lot i'm like you know that's a response but the reason why that guy can afford a ferrari is because he makes smart decisions and that that's where i'm gonna go you're gonna go that way i'm no i'm just gonna go that they need to make smart decisions and and 
popping up an Uber because, I mean, an Uber will drop you off at Whataburger if you want. We did that one New Year's Eve. Uh, we, we all piled into an Uber and we all of a sudden ended up at uh, Whataburger still on the Uber dime. And going through the drive-through that took so long. So we said, "Hey, can you stay a little bit longer?" We ordered him food. We all ordered food and headed back. I mean, it was perfect. It 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 satisfied everything that you needed without breaking the law. Well, the privilege of like 2018 versus <laughs> what 10 years ago. Oh yeah, that's uh, you know I I know that the studies are still out on drunk driving and and how Uber's impacted it. There's been some that say it has, some that it hasn't. I mean. You've got to look at like mad. They just need to, you know, they they need to come down to, to a consensus if it's really if it helps. I say it does, but again, I'm some uninformed idiot <laughs> sitting out there <laughs> hoping that a, a your positive- sample size of one is a little skewed. Yeah, I mean, those statistics are just a pain in the butt. <laughs> so what's happening this week? Well, it's this month. Okay. Actually, it's a whole month. Did you know February's Insurance Careers Month? No. Yep. I they they have a month for that. They have a month for that. Hmm. When wonder when the the month of um, you know blondes month and you know people that are six four month are you know it's <laughs> just like they have so many months. Okay, so they have a month for insurance careers. Yes. Wow. So yeah. what do they say? What 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 is the the focus of the month other than uh, getting people to recognize that insurance is a pretty cool industry to be in. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is, is can we convince, you know, people who are just starting out in their careers that insurance is a good career path? Um, you know, millennials, I think only 4% of millennials view the insurance industry as a viable career option. No, it's not sexy. And so it's nearly impossible to like convince someone that, oh, yeah, you could be a, a rock star. Okay, well, it may not be sexy to sell insurance, but if you think about the benefits of this industry, you, know, you, you start off, let's say, in an agency. You work hard for a few years. You can build up to a principal or start your own agency. Now, all of a sudden, you're a business owner mm-hmm. in a time-tested field that is still needed. Well, Regardless of whatever insure tax is coming around the corner, um, and you get flexibility, you can make money, you get to help people, and that's—I mean, you know—we do this series on getitc.com and our blog on where we profile different people in the industry. So I've talked to, oh God, I don't know, more than forty people now in the last two years about mm-hmm. how they started in the industry and what they like about it. They were scammed. <laughs> <laughs> it's there's always an interesting story, um, but ultimately, what everybody says about why they like working in this industry is how they're helping people, and you know, millennials are always. Another thing that's always about millennials is that they want to feel like they are making a difference. Mm -hmm. And we just need to be better about communicating how this industry can make a difference. And as when you come into this industry, you get to be a part of that. Yeah. No, and, you know, one of the things that I always say is always great about this industry is it's one of the rare industries that you are forced to buy something. 
Sometimes it's required by law or by your mortgage company or whatever it is, your force or the Affordable Care Act or whatever it can be, you're forced to purchase some kind of insurance policy. So you have already made market of the entire United States. So there's massive opportunity out there. And right now, autonomy, we talked about it before, autonomous cars and connected vehicles, they're all going to influence the future of insurance, but not right now. There's lots of time. There's 10, 15, 25 years before the impact is just completely detrimental to the industry. So people can have a long, prospering career. And even then, once it moves beyond you know, commercial insurance, personal lines insurance, and there's still insurance. There's still something behind the scenes, and that's where actuaries and and underwriters and statisticians and all of these people come into play that is not the frontline person sitting in an insurance office going, can I write your auto policy? Right. So, I mean, there, there's so much opportunity in this industry that it, it just, it gets a bad rap because really it's the running joke. You know, I get in an elevator and, or meet someone and I go, hmm, do I like this person? Do I want to talk to them further? And then I make that decision. If I don't want anything to do with them, I say, I work in insurance. And <laughs> their asses and elbows away. They're running away. Oh, hair on fire. Then if I do want to talk to them, I say, hey, I work in the insurance industry and this is what I do. And you tell that story and people will listen and they, they find it interesting. They have questions. They have people ask me questions about their policy. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not that side of the industry. But you have a ready-made audience that is buying something that they want mostly, they need. And in all seriousness, they really hope that they never have to use it. I mean, whenever – like uh, just this week of the, uh, or just this past month, the Apple HomePod came out. And the thing costs nearly $300 or something like that. Well, to fix it, it's going to cost like $269. So then you want the Apple Pay, which is, or the Apple uh, Care. Care. And then it's $79. But then you still have a deductible on top of that. And it's, it's a safety net that everybody wants. They hope they never use it. It was like, oh, I'm, I feel good that it's there, but I hope I never, ever use it. And so it's such a unique product, insurance, that uh, we got to find a way to make it fun. I mean, you know, a lot of people, I've been saying it since 2009, that, you know, bringing, you know, sexy back to insurance and all that. A lot of people have used that and said that term since then. But it's more of a question of like, I don't think it's actually possible. I don't think that you can make it sexy. No one's going to stand in line for the latest insurance policy like they would the latest iPhone. What you doing in line? Oh, man. They got this new auto policy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I've, I've been waiting for this one. You know, I've been looking at specs online, and I, I know everything about it. And I'm probably going to get it in this special color. No, that's not, that's not how it is. And so we need to find a way whenever we're talking about this, you know, insurance profession month is beyond the whole sexy and really bring it more into the benefits as you were speaking to how you can help people, how it helps people going forward. Right. Well, you can't make it into something. It's not, I mean, insurance is not a new iPhone. It's not a brand new Tesla coming out. It's not, you know, really cool sneakers or whatever it's it's insurance but we talk more about what 
the impact that this industry has on people's lives in a good way. I mean, you know, a lot of people view the industry in a negative way. Mm-hmm. But if we, we start talking more about the the benefits of working in this industry and how and the impact we have on people's lives, that's where you can make a difference in getting people to see it as a career option. Yeah. So do you think do you think it's actually possible? I do. I do. You know, the big eye has a program called Invest mm-hmm. where um, they are trying to help educate high school and college students on the industry and encourage them to pursue careers in the industry. Um, I think schools are starting to offer more degree programs, mm-hmm. actuarial, well, stuff like that. Really, really exciting coursework. I know, right really there. exciting coursework. But the fact that they're offering that as a degree program shows that there is interest mm-hmm. in it, at least, right? Because they wouldn't be offering it if people weren't interested in getting that degree. <clears throat> and yeah, one one thing that ties into that is the 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 new buzzword is uh, you know business analytics and uh, big data, deep data, all these different things. And you go to uh, colleges and they all talk about that, knowing analytics and statistics and all of that. That's a skill. That is going to help. And that, that's one thing I do like about the insure tech that's going on is it's saying, hey, there's new technologies, blockchain, artificial intelligence, uh, deep learning, neural nets, all of this. They're out there helping, um, you know, sell this, sell this very unsexy product day in and day out and sell it more precisely and have the product better match the needs of what it's actually doing. And I've, I think that that's a great little segue whenever you're going into college and they're like, well, you can talk about big data, but also this is a practical application that right now, uh, you know, the, the analysis that goes into rate setting and underwriting and understanding risk is key to what you would be using with that type of deep data learning. So what, what is scaring a lot of people of the insurance industry might actually be the savior of the insurance industry. It might bring in some, some new talent that looks at it differently. And, you know, we've talked about the insure techs that always say, Oh, I know nothing about insurance and that's what makes me dangerous. Well, yeah, that makes you pretty dangerous because <laughs> you you're missing the boat. This is a complex industry. And then you add in, analytics on top of that and be able to make decisions that no one's seen before connections no one's seen before and then all of a sudden boom you come up with something new and that's exciting yes absolutely and you know interesting uh the agent broker segment actually had job growth last year i can see that yeah compared to you know um Claims adjusting firms or even some carriers, their employment went down, but agents are the agent segment is growing in terms of number of jobs. Yeah, and you know it's a harsh reality. I sometimes have to 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 say out there is that agents and brokers are lead providers. They provide leads to carriers. Not often do you see an agency or a broker selling. And actually service, you know, do you know, it's not their own product they're selling. They're selling someone else's product. They might be servicing it or they might be supporting it in the sense of supporting it in sales and whatnot, but they're pushing someone else's product. There was a lot of push uh, a couple years ago for you're going to all of a sudden see a whole bunch of 
website lead generators, the online aggregators, the Googles, all those guys that are going to be out there changing the way that the lead distribution model is. And it didn't bore out. Here we are, and you know the winner's not out yet. There's no winners, at, in my opinion, at this point. But the winners are the insurance agents that are continuing to add that value. And so we're seeing it in our own numbers. We're seeing agents, the number of agents continue to grow. However, we've seen the number of agencies shrink. The, the market has absolutely seen the, the numbers shrink. But there, there's two sides to that. It's either you're growing or dying. So you have people that are going, okay, I'm just not making it. They might want to sell it. And then you have other ones that are going, hey, I'm doing really well. I want to sell it. And so you see a, a real um, change in the industry where the agencies are getting bigger, but there's less of them. So it's, it's an interesting time. Well, especially when you look at the average age of an agent. Right, which is 59. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the average age of an agent right now in the United States is 59. And National Underwriter uh, just released some study results for this inaugural. They used it correctly. I was very excited. Oh, boy. Words matter. <laughs> the inaugural independent agent study. And there were a lot of data points in this study, but one of the ones I wanted to bring up in this episode since we're talking about careers and insurance, is that 55% of the people who took this survey said they're planning to retire in no, you know five to nine years or less. Jives right about their age. Right, exactly. If their average age is 59, that's right about where it should be. And the other question that I wanted to point out is more than 50% said they do not have a perpetuation plan for their agency. Boom goes the dynamite. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of businesses in days past, they have been very legacy businesses. I want to pass this down to my kids. My kids have worked in it. I want to pass it down to them. I want them to grow up and pass it down to their kids. And right now, there's a lot of questions about the future of the insurance industry, the insure techs, the disruptions, all of that type of stuff. And there's, there's some uncertainty that they go, well, maybe I don't want to sell, or maybe I don't want to create a pep, 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 perpetuation plan. There you go. <laughs> Again, words matter. Yes. <laughs> the right words really come out of your mouth and they don't have a plan in place. And then they start looking at the current evaluations out there. And right now, M&A in the insurance industry is hot. People are getting great multiples. It's a good business. Well, that's an actual sign of what people really think about the future is that they're willing to pay good money for these agencies and because they see the growth and they acquire those agencies and they grow those agencies even bigger. And so people have looked at it and go, well, maybe I don't want to create a perpetuation plan. Maybe – you know, it would be better if the money's in the bank and the kid goes and develops video games. And so it's, I could actually see that is you see that day in and day out. And that's why you see a lot of agencies selling these days. Well, I think it's a mix of both, right? Because you have some who are maybe not so sure about the future of the independent agent channel, but then you also have the problem of young adults not seeing insurance as a career option. 
you know, dad got his insurance agency from grandpa, but I don't want to be in insurance. I want to do something else. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, I think you see, you're seeing both problems in that number. Yeah. And you should, a perpetuation plan does not always include your kids. It also could be a, a key employee, someone that you, a trustee of your, of your business going forward. That's, you know, that's something that people need to develop. And whenever a lot of owners, they, they stay as owner operators and they stop. And this is one of the things that whenever people create a business is that they forget that they're not the lead salesperson. Usually someone who creates a a business is really good at what they do. And that's why they go create a business. But often they're not really good business people because of that. Hey, I'm really good at selling insurance. Doesn't mean you're really good at running running a business. And so a lot of times owner-operators that I see, they're in the business day in and day out, which I really appreciate. I show up to work every day. We all do. We show up every single day to make sure that we move this ball forward. But there also has to be some kind of work of building and developing the next generation. And it doesn't have to be your kids. It doesn't have to be selling out to someone. A lot of times it's just finding the right component of someone who wants to do it. And um, there's a couple of agencies out there that are, are long standing, long time standing agencies that have moved to kind of like an ESOP where it's an employee stock option plan that they can build ownership in the company over time. And then all of a sudden, 10, 15 years down the line, you have a wholly owned employee corporation that, you know, has satisfied the goals of everybody. It's moved the ownership out. It's, you know, broadly uh, had all the employees now take ownership in it. So there's lots of options to someone who doesn't have a perpetuation plan. And I think just pulling the ripcord is not the right way to do it. So my two cents. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's going to be interesting these next five years or so to see what happens. Is is M&A going to continue to go up and up? Or are we going to see more agencies, um, try to find somebody to perpetuate the business, whether it's their kid mm-hmm. or a niece or nephew or, you know, another one of their bright employees who wants to take it over. Yeah. So how did you get your start in the industry? <laughs> oh, I, uh, I faxed my resume. <laughs> Fax. So this was what? 96. 96. Okay. Nice. I'll, I'll tell the story is, uh, I, uh, I was sitting there and I said, Hey, I need a job. And I've always, I've always had jobs. I've always kind of been my own entrepreneur. I've started my own business multiple times. I remember my first business was charging my grandmother to pull out her uh, marigolds because my godmother across the street was allergic to them. And I billed her. I invoiced her. I sent collections on her. I mean, I was just ruthless businessman, I guess. But uh, I've always enjoyed it, and I've always wanted to be somewhere where you can make a difference, even if I'm not, you know, the the head guy. And, um, so I knew a lot about technology. I knew a lot of it. I was an IT nerd. I mean, I programmed at the age of eight, you know, I've put on logo and on Apple and did all that type of stuff. And so I, uh, I really, really wanted to work in the IT industry. So I applied for a job as a network admin and I faxed my resume and I got a call almost instantly. And I show up and Scott Upfield of ITC interviews me, 
we sit there and we talk about skiing. We talk a little bit about networking. We, you know, just really come, you know, he went here for high school. I went there for high school. We were so close at that time, you know, all these things. We really didn't even talk about the job at all. And so I, uh, you know, I, I left feeling really good. By the time I got home, I had a phone call on my answering machine. <laughs> Again, this is 96. I mean, I did have a cell phone though. And, um, it, it says, Hey, you, you got the job. So I show up literally the next day and it's coming up. It's March 5th. I'll always remember the, the day for some reason, but, um, I, I showed up and it says, well, Hey, you got the job. Walk me back to my new, uh, which I called the hole because it was, it was a room and it just had computer parts drawn all over the place and well, build your own computer. Okay, it's trial <laughs> by fire. I guess we got enough parts here, so put to get put the computer together, and you know, kind of weirdly started in the insurance industry at that time, the technology side. And you know, as the network admin back in those days, it was all about floppy disks and DOS and Windows and modems and all these things of how we connected before the internet was really prevalent for a lot of agents. And so people would have problems connecting. And so I would actually go out to their offices and help them. Well, I kept getting asked, Hey, can you do my IT? Can you do this? Can you do that? And then it, um, it just hit me as like, wow, I can make, I can make a go at this. So I left ITC in 2001, I guess. No guess. I know where it is. (laughs) And, um, in 2001, I started, I started doing what I knew. I worked for insurance agents. And I went out and helped them with their their computer problems. I helped build their websites. I did all of that. And then it just – I became a part of the insurance industry. And so it was a really weird like how I got indoctrinated to it. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's something that – you know, I've grown up in it and I'm passionate about it. But I see it from a different angle. I don't see it from an agency angle. I don't see it – from the carrier angle. I see it from the technology angle. And that's why technology in this has never scared me about the insure tech stuff. It doesn't scare me. It's something to be cognizant of, but nothing that I've never run away from because I kind of grew up in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked about my interview story a couple episodes ago, but did you know I actually interviewed for another job in insurance about three years before I came to work at ITC? No. Where, where was that? Uh, it was Unitrend, now Kemper. Okay. okay. I was interviewing. I forget what the actual job was, but it was a marketing job. And I remember telling James Dickey. I did. I interviewed with James Dickey. He <laughs> uh, was one of them. There was another guy, and I can't remember his name, but I remember James. And I remember telling my former boss that I was going to go interview at Unitrend, and I was really excited about the opportunity. I thought I was going to be a good fit. And then he's like, Insurance? You don't want to work in insurance. That's boring. (laughs) (laughs) And three years later, I ended up in the industry anyway. Yeah. You were gravitating at that point. I was, yeah. Uh, and and James James Dickey would have been great to work for. Um, actually, he helped um, kind of vet out insurance website builder whenever we were building that product. Yeah, he would come over to the office, our little tiny office over in Richardson, Texas, and he would uh, he would go, "Oh, we should do this. You should do this. Oh, you got to be careful about this E and O. E and what? You know, <laughs> what what do we have to do that? And so from day one, 
That's why the insurance website builder has all those protections built into it. It's made AOL easy. Yes, it was kind of a dated term now, but back then it was really easy to use because it was like insurance agents don't know how to do the websites. But it was because they were just coming off of DOS and you know barely getting introduced to the web in the in the early to mid two thousands, and. You know, it's uh, he. He brought a lot. I, I actually, when uh, you were about to say that, I was going to say James Dickey, right? And he was like, sure enough. So, yep. yep. Oh man, that's uh, that's great. I, I love hearing stories about how people got into the industry because it's always a weird way. Yes, that's why I love doing this profile series because I have now talked to agents, carriers, consultants. You know so many different people in the industry and everybody's got a story about how they got their start. And it was, it's always fascinating. It's always fascinating. Yeah. Don's story, you know, how Don and Justin, Justin quit college, you know, one semester off to go become, you know, go do an insurance. And his parents are like, what, what are you doing? No way. (laughs) And then, uh, effectively, I think Don said this in his, uh, how I work profile or this is the way is that, um, he was like, he, he was, he was trying to cold sell something to Justin and Justin saw the value. And now Don is entrenched. Justin is entrenched in this industry. Yep. It's, it's really great. You know, um, we really should have a way that uh, people could tell us their stories of we, how they how they get into the industry. We do have a way that people can get in touch with us. We want to hear how you got your start in the insurance industry. So email us at contact at insurancehappyhour.com with your story. Um, and maybe, who knows, you might end up in a This Is The Way profile yeah. yourself. I love those. We, we, those are fantastic. I look forward to them every single month. So they definitely write in and uh, tell us your story. And we would love to hear it because that's, that's what brings the energy to this industry is these stories is that's, what's going to get more people to come into the industry is these stories. Yep. Absolutely. Well, it's been fun. It has been. And while we are wrapping up here, I mm-hmm. also want to say, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, so you, you get the next episode directly on your phone. And links to the articles we talked about will be in the show notes at insurancehappyhour.com. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I'm glad you're doing all the legwork on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's, uh, it's been fun. I'll see you next week. Next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.